Hi, listeners. Do you love VRCast but hate waiting for the next episode? Have no fear. The DLC radio show is here. Every week, we'll be bringing you super fun mini games with new guests. Look for new episodes on your favorite podcast app under Virtual Recollection or download the radio app Anchor and subscribe to our channel to listen live. Virtual Recollection, where we tell stories about video games and the people who play them. I'm your host, Janessa. Every Labor Day weekend, tens of thousands of humans flock to Seattle, Washington, cramming into the Washington State Convention Center downtown for four days of one of the biggest video game conventions in the world, the Penny Arcade Expo. Created in 2004 by Jerry Holkins and Mike Krahulik, who you might recognize as the authors of the webcomic Penny Arcade. The convention, more commonly known as PAX, has been described as a celebration of video games, attracting the players, the makers, and some seriously cool cosplayers to the celebration. PAX has since expanded from its origins into Seattle to hosting conventions in Boston, San Antonio, Philadelphia, and even Melbourne, Australia. On today's episode, I'm going to take you with me to PAX West 2017, one of my favorite adventures that I go on almost every year. Together, we'll wander the convention hall, eat some Cheetos, accidentally walk in front of people's cameras, get a ton of free stuff. You'll get to experience PAX just as I did. Later, you'll hear from the incredible Josh Boykin, creator of IntelliGame, as we talk about PAX and what it's like for a hardworking video game journalist, who is Josh, compared to someone like me, who just waddles around eating Cheetos and walking in front of people's cameras. (laughs) So without further ado, welcome to Virtual Recollection. Imagine, if you will, being in a convention hall surrounded by people who also really love this one thing that you love. It's community, it's solidarity, it's totally effing awesome. It's being in a building with 70,000 friends you haven't met yet. Hopefully this kind of helps paint a picture of what Penny Arcade Expo is like. Every year, PAX is Labor Day weekend. And long before the convention, they sell passes to get in. You can either get a four-day pass, which typically sells out immediately. Also, they are very difficult to get. Or you can buy individual day passes, which are also difficult to get, just maybe a little less so. I was lucky because my friend and X No Continues cohort, Johnio, just so happened to be near a computer when passes went on sale back in June. And he picked me up some badges for Sunday and Monday. Thanks, man. You the best. So here we are again, Labor Day weekend 2017, and I have made my pilgrimage from Portland, Oregon to the beautiful Emerald City of Seattle, Washington for a weekend full of video games, friends, and overpriced convention pizza. After what was a very eventful Saturday night, as is PAX tradition, which you'll hear more about later, I finally made it to the convention hall. 
The current time is 1.35 p.m. I am officially three and a half hours late. <laughs> Doors open at 10. But yours truly had a little too much hair of the dog last night, so uh, it was a rough morning. Anyway, um, I'm outside the convention center waiting for Johnio, which many of you probably remember from either the No Continues podcast or he was also the co-host on... Um, Oh my god, I'm forgetting my own podcast. Uh, what episode was Johnny on? Oh, Mega Man, duh. Okay, anyway, waiting for Johnny. It is a million degrees outside. That's actually an exaggeration. It's really, it's really nice. It's probably like 80 something or whatever. And I'm super excited to go cram myself in a building with many people. Let's do this. Okay, I know I sound super salty, but that's the hangover talking. And just to clarify, PAX parties do not mess around. Ask anyone who has gone, they'll tell you. It's insane. Johnio and Lauren find me, and we weave our way through the masses of people who've been tootling around for a few hours now. One of the toughest things for me when I first get to PAX, because I never do any pre-planning, I just fly by the seat of my pants, you know, the usual is deciding what game to play first, and then finding a line that isn't a three-hour-long wait to play that game. Johnio had to do some quick work kind of thing, but luckily my dudes at Supergiant were pretty close with a short wait line, so Lauren and I decided to try out some Pyre. Lauren is one of my favorite people to play a video game with because we are both very vocal about our feelings. Like this. We're probably a nightmare to everyone around us. <laughs> Johnny returns, and by using the process of what's a shorter line elimination, we decide to try out the new Dragon Ball Z game. So, right now, we're waiting in line to play... What game are we about to play? Uh, we're playing Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Which looks dope. Yeah. It looks straight up like the, like the show. So if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, like his Majin Buu and his belly flopping around, it looks tight. So for those of you who aren't familiar with PAX, line waiting is a thing that you do, like, a lot. Like, all the time. Luckily, we found the line that is not that long of a wait. The one in the entire building. The only one in the entire building. Like, we're probably waiting, what, what, like 10 minutes, maybe? Which is unheard of. What's the longest you waited in a line for? Um, I was in the booth, or sorry, I was in the line for Destiny, not to play the game, but to just buy a stupid sweatshirt for an hour and a half. <laughs> for a sweatshirt. The sweatshirt's awesome. I ended up getting a plus one ghost plushie just because I was there for so long, so maybe it's a tactic. Maybe <laughs> they make you wait so long and look at the menu for an hour and a half. You buy all the things. That's gotta be it. Yeah, you waited in line and you got the wrong size. Size? I got the wrong size, so I waited in line for an hour and a half. I got <laughs> oh the wrong God. size. There are a few activities you can do while waiting in line. My personal favorite is gossip. Do you have any uh, celebrity PAX crushes that you're hoping to see while you're here? I have a pretty big crush on uh, one of the one of the guys at Supergiant who we did see. And I think I kept my cool pretty well. He's like, I just he's just so cool. He's one of those people where you're like, yeah. 
And no, I'm not telling you who it is at Supergiant because I'm a lady. We wait in line for a few minutes more, and finally Lauren and I get to try out the demo for Dragon Ball Fighter Z. And, as you heard before when we were playing Pyre, we were just as vocal, if not more so. Dragon Ball Fighter Z was beautiful and confusing and gave me anxiety, so basically everything that I needed in a video game. After the demo finished, a rep from Banco approached Lauren and I and asked us if we wanted to be interviewed about the game. This was fun! Johnny tells me I did it pretty well, but I actually have no idea where the in, where on the internet this video is or if it even made the final cut. But the only thing I truly cared about... Did my hair look okay? <laughs> all of maybe 30 minutes where I only played one game for a really long time because it was really good. It's called Thimbleweed Park and I highly recommend it. Before I realized that I was starving. No joke. I just consumed one of those like snack bags of Cheeto Puffs in probably about 30 seconds flat. And I don't know whether I should be disgusted or impressed with myself. That's the thing about these conventions is you're walking around a lot and suddenly out of nowhere you're so hungry because they're actually quite tiring even though you're really just walking and looking and playing games which doesn't sound very taxing on the body bring a lot of snacks <laughs> because you're gonna need them and I'm sorry Seattle Convention Center but the food here is really bad and they overprice it so you're gonna save a lot of money which you can spend on video games or cool merch and um, eat just like just like bring snacks bring Cheetos like they did that's a great healthy snack right no it's not it's not healthy at all I got the organic one because I was lying to myself I'm like yeah, if I get the organic stuff it's kind of healthy no it's not the first thing in there is cornmeal expeller pressed sunflower oil I don't even know what that is well there's sea salt that's okay for you Eh, whatever, I don't care. I'm fine. The life-giving Cheetos had given me energy to carry on, so I returned to Indie Mega Booth to play some more awesome indie games, including one in particular called Date or Die, which I really enjoyed. And I got some unexpectedly awesome news. 
earlier in the day I entered in a contest for Square Enix. It's like a drawing you have to sign up for. It's probably a newsletter I will never be able to unsubscribe from, but whatever. And I kind of figured I was never going to win because I never win those things, and I actually did win something from the drawing. I won, it's a car shade. It's something that you stick in the dashboard so the sun doesn't make your seats like lava and your ceiling room like lava. And it has all the characters from Final Fantasy 15 on it, which is something that I'm into, so that's really rad. And I also won the soundtrack to Life is Strange, which is a very beautiful soundtrack. And it's vinyl, which is even better because vinyl is awesome. I'm one of those. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Snob. That's the word I'm looking for. The word is snob. I'm a vinyl snob. I spent the rest of my day visiting with friends who were showing games at the convention, waddling around, wide-eyed, ate some more Cheetos, finally collapsed on an open couch in the fifth floor of the convention center. Well, it's 5.30. The hall closes in 30 minutes, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I do want to lay down and die. <laughs> I'm so tired, and I'm hungry again, because of course. And, uh, yeah. Let's see if I can get out of here. First, let's see if I can motivate myself to get off this seat. I might not move. I'm not gonna move. When you're as exhausted and as hungover as I was in this recording, PAX is great for people watching, which is what I did as I contemplated laying down and dying versus gathering literally all of my remaining energy I had left inside of my soul to try to make my way out of the convention hall, which at the time sounded impossible. I don't know how, but I made it out of the convention center. I'm so tired. I still want to die. Oh, I guess if I didn't feel that way, it wouldn't be Pax, huh? Hey! I am once again three and a half hours late. What else is new? But I am not hungover this time, so we'll call it a win. I just don't know how to work a watch. Anyway, um, my goal for today is to play more games than I did yesterday and not be a miserable grouch, which one of those I've already accomplished. I'm going to call it a win. I'm currently on my way to meet Johnny because he's hanging out in the Nintendo booth, which um, if you know me even remotely, you know that'll probably be my favorite place to be. Um, fortunately for me, Nintendo isn't hard to find because there's a giant Switch. All I have to do is look for that. And I found it. Cool. I found Johnio quite literally right after I finished recording this, which, when you're in a sea of tens of thousands of people, is actually pretty rad. Johnio tells me that he's on a mission to get real gill from the Square Enix booth, which you can only get if you win a round of the new Final Fantasy Dissidia game, which is set to come out next year. For those of you listening who don't know what a gill is, it's the kind of currency that's used in the Final Fantasy series. And now that I think about it, I've actually never seen what they look like in the game before, or at least not that I can recall. It's always just kind of appears after you defeat an enemy or complete some kind of quest, so I'm incredibly intrigued to see this in person. Okay. 
Johnny, we're in another line. How does this happen? <laughs> but luckily, we're in the shortest lines in the show. That's one thing. I think that's one key to surviving, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, you could spend four hours in one line for a game, which I think they did for Skyrim, right? Skyrim, I think they capped before the show even started. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we're in line for Dissidia, which is this fighting game that you hear in the background. And I'm super pumped. I'll probably lose. Johnny will probably win. We're going to keep losing until we win because they're giving away Final Fantasy Gill, and I need it in my life. <laughs> and that Buster Sword isn't going to buy itself. <laughs> so who are you going to play? I don't know. I was thinking about... I God, I hate, I hate how much I love Squall. I hate it. I'm a, definitely a fangirl. Um, if they have Renoa, they probably don't. I already know that they don't. Because she's terrible. I would play as her. <laughs> Oh, I, I think, like, my, my heart says I want to play Terra, but the hipster yeah. in me says I want to play as the Onion Knight from Final Fantasy III. <laughs> Which is also really cool. He seems dope. Yeah. Oh. Okay, I think we're about to fight each other. I think we're about to be summoned. Are we going to be on the same team? We're I hope so. Yes. Right. Woo, we are on the same team. All right, let's see how this goes. Square Enix has Dissidia set up so that it's three versus three. When the nice person at the booth gets us set up, they mention an important detail to me that I was not aware of before. So this is just great, but it turns out my TV is the TV that's displaying to the entire crowd watching, which is going to be really effing embarrassing. And it was incredibly embarrassing because we lost super hard and fairly quickly. It's like they always say, if at first you lose in 30 seconds, try and try again until you win the gill, which we both did. And for those of you wondering, one gill is a silver coin about the size of an American half dollar. Johnny and I wandered around a bit more before he had to go back to work, and I left a convention a tad early that day so I could see another friend before I had to head back down to good old Portland. I like to think that for an average human wandering packs, my experience is probably fairly common. You get some cool swag, you play some cool games, you see some fun friends, but I'm also pretty confident that I have privileges at packs that others do not have. For example, would Banco have interviewed Lauren and I if we were not two cute girls? I kind of doubt it. I mean, maybe. They interviewed some other people, but I will say with confidence that our chances of being put in front of a camera we're upped because we're women playing video games. And to continue off that, I'm also incredibly privileged to say I haven't had a bad experience at PAX or any other convention because of my gender, which unfortunately, many people who identify as women have, especially cosplayers. A few years ago, you would start to see signs that said cosplay is not consent because cosplayers were being groped, which is horrible and disgusting and not acceptable. Two, 
I'm not entirely certain how friendly PAX or any convention is for folks who get around using a wheelchair or who need some other kind of external assistance to be mobile. Lovers of video games come in all shapes and sizes, and as I walked the convention hall, which gets incredibly crowded and overwhelming, space is limited. And I wondered if we're doing our best to design these halls that help gamers of all kinds enjoy themselves. Last, I'm happy to say that I've seen PAX and gaming in general become more diverse over the years, but it's still more white people than you can shake a stick at. I love, love, love PAX so much, and I want everyone in the gaming community to feel welcomed and wanted and to have fun when they attend. And just like in the previous episode of VRCast, when I was walking around game stores wondering if we're doing enough in the Magic the Gathering community to welcome and support people of color, I'm not sure if we're doing enough in the video game community. I see steps, and I wonder if they're big enough. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but regardless, those steps cannot stop. PAX attendee who's there for fun, there's someone attending because they have to work. This might not exactly be a one-to-one ratio, but between all the merchants, video game companies, journalists, folks who work at the convention center full-time, the people who spend their long weekend working PAX work super hard. Enter Josh Boykin, video game journalist and creator of IntelliGame. Josh is one of the hardest working people I know in general, and when I was talking to him before the convention, he had already lined up his schedule with interview after interview. We finally sat down about a week after PAX ended to talk about how each of our experiences went. Did not. Did you hit the record button? I feel like we should be... Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I hit it a long time ago. (laughs) <laughs> You're a mess. You're a total mess. How am I a mess? Like, how did I not know this was happening? I like to trick people into talking to me. Yeah, that's why I asked. I would have talked to you anyway. <laughs> the record button. Now we got to do that all over again. I don't again. know what I was talking about. <laughs> You're talking about Pax and how much you hate it. I don't, though. I mean, it's a good show. It's a really awesome opportunity for folks to like. I don't know, I go to E3 or, you know, some of these more, like, formal conferences and people aren't... It's just, it, it's more casual for folks who are not part of the industry. Like, E3, it's nice that it's an industry event, but, like, then you, you know, continually deal with this whole, like, people being starstruck thing. And, oh my god, it's E3 and whatever, and PAX was made for just fans to show up. And so it's super overwhelming, and it's hyper-stimulating, and it's exhausting. But, um, but I like being around, if just for a few days, that many people who, like, really give a shit about games. And, like, on a genuine, like, more often than not heartfelt level, like... There are people who just hang out on beanbags playing their 3DSs. And, like, likely many of them are people who, like, flew hundreds or thousands of miles and are paying for this expensive-ass hotel just so that they can, like, be around other gamers for four days. 
ran into, um, I was with my friend Samantha, and we went to this, uh, this, like, diner up on Capitol Hill, and there were these two folks, uh, next to us, and they were from Alabama, and uh, I was, like, not really sure what to do, because I'm a black dude, and she's a trans woman, and I was like, Alabama, oh, okay, but they were, like, super kind, like, they didn't, you know, whatever, like, who's gonna be a dick about something like that, especially sitting right there in a, you know, in a diner, but yeah, those are the kinds of experiences, it's like, that's why I enjoy PAX, um, I just sort of hate that I have to enjoy it as a journalist, and like, don't really get to spend time just being around people, like, all of my time feels very metered, and that's... That that's not PAX's fault, you know. So, as someone who has been to E three and PAX, because PAX is sounds so much more casual, would you say it's also more of a celebration of video games rather than some kind of like sales, gimmicky, marketing oh, fiasco? It's hard bombshell. Well, I mean, like it's hard because PAX is. I mean, PAX is just marketing on the micro level instead of the macro level, mm -hmm. you know? So where people go to E3 because they want to get in front of, like, journalists or streamers or whatever mm -hmm. and impress them so that they can get their content out on the internet and blow, you know, get upvotes or some shit. Um, the, like, PAX is on the micro level. Like, there are people who are actually selling merchandise and pins and you know and copies of their games sometimes and stuff like that so it's still about the marketing there's a giant Fortnite booth with the uh the llama pinata that they were like raffling off a chance to break every hour oh yeah yeah and like i mean any of the show floor that has like microsoft or nintendo mm -hmm. or those folks were totally yeah, doing the marketing push too. The people who were there perhaps are, but I don't, I guess the issue that I take is this, I, it feels like saying PAX is more of a celebration of games. It feels like a criticism of E3 and it also somehow feels like, um, A mischaracterization of packs. I think they're. I think they're both show floors. They're both marketing attempts. They mm -hmm. just market in different ways. And I think that there are people who attend. There, it's more likely that you will attend, meet people who are attending packs, who are there to celebrate games, as opposed to attending to sell games or to network to work in games, you know, but I don't think, um, I would, I would hate to write that up as a, a criticism of E3 because as a journalist, there's a part of me that needs that protected space in which to do business because this year's E3, though I, I loved that it was open to the public because I saw more black and brown faces on that show floor than I have ever seen in the years that I've attended E3. And I know that was in no small part to that. But the flip side of it is that it makes it a lot harder for me to 
do my job as a journalist to get from appointment to appointment, to not be like dealing with the social uh, implications of cutting in line and having people escort you through secret areas or whatever. Like I felt like more of an intruder at E3 because I had a press or a media badge and I want there to be a space where I don't have to feel that way. Cause that's the way I feel at PAX. The, the benefit of PAX is that it's so large that there are tons of things you can check out where you don't have to deal with that problem. And I generally gravitate towards indie titles. And so I didn't frequently have that, your, you know, that experience of cutting in front of folks. But if I were one of those people who, oh, I'm polygon and whatever, like, I guess they, they get to do what they want because they're polygon, but I don't want to disrespect the gamers. I don't want to disrespect the people who are just there to celebrate the games mm-hmm. and disrespect their time by making them wait longer or feel like they're not special or whatever. That is a really weird feeling when you... When, because people will treat you differently when they see the media badge too. Like I remember, I was waiting in line at, uh, I don't even know if I want to say the name, but mm-hmm. one of the devs came up to me and was like, "Do you want to play the game now?" <laughs> Before <laughs> <laughs> it was like a two-hour wait, and it made me feel so weird, mm-hmm. so weird. Even though it's technically your job to be there and to review the game and um, everything like that, but. Yeah, it feels weird. I don't know what was what was your PAX experience like. I my I got a I got so much free shit from PAX, <laughs> and I I won things. Wait, what did you win? I won this sweet uh, car shade thing that you put in the dash. Oh, of Final right. Fantasy fifteen characters, which is totally awesome. I won the Life is Strange um, vinyl. Wait, what? Yeah, I'll show it to you later. I just waddled around the floor and people threw shit at me. This is not an exaggeration. We had very contrasting experiences, and for that I feel terrible. Because I, when I went to play Dragon Ball Z, they were like, hey, can we interview for this thing? Because it's two cute girls playing. I mean, I told you that. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, they're gonna, we were shit. It didn't matter. We just wanted to... Us to talk about Dragon Ball Z, which was, uh, by the way, was super fun. And I will, every time, I will play it. every time I see a video on Twitter, I just smile because the gameplay looks so enjoyable, mm-hmm. and I just hope that that translates to the experience I actually have with the game. I hope so too, or else I've been talking about this game, and then you're gonna play it and be like, "This like, game is garbage." Janessa, what it's garbage. Are you doing? Yeah. That'll reflect on the games I play as a human. It's like, actually, you weren't playing a game. You were just watching a video (laughs) and pressing buttons, and you thought that you were playing a game. You know what? From how poorly I was doing, (laughs) that would actually make a lot of sense. (laughs) Like, a lot of sense. (laughs) They did the whole younger sibling thing where you unplug the controller and give it to them. Hey, you're doing a great job. job. I'm playing the game! (laughs) So they're, like, smacking buttons and stuff. Wow. Uh, How did I not realize that sooner? That's okay. This is an eye-opening experience for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a great time, but also I wasn't working. Um, it was honestly probably one of my better PAXs overall, even. How many have you been to? Oh, like seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I li- I've west. lived in the area my whole time. Yeah, just oh, west. Sure. 
So I'm conveniently located, and when I was working at the video game store, we would sell games there. So I've been going for a while. Sure. Um, to see how it's changed is crazy. What was the first PAX that you went to? Was it last, last year? Last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So I feel like those are similar in size, 2016, yeah. 2017. What do, you, what do you feel like has changed about PAX? PAX West, I guess. Um, that's a good question. The first thing that comes to mind is the most obvious, the size. Sure. <laughs> um, when it was smaller, uh, there were less board games, like less Magic the Gathering, um, smaller indie mega booth. Watching that grow has been really cool. Yeah. The rise of the indies. What a time to be alive. Um, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind. I don't really pay attention to a whole lot of the people there. Uh, so I can't really speak to how the culture has changed. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I don't pay a whole lot of attention is this, there's so many of them. Right. It's hard to. It's really overstimulating. Yeah. How about the impacts parties? Yeah. I... Finger guns. Yeah. <laughs> For the listening audience. Um... Why don't you start with PAX parties? I'm trying not to be dour. What? What do you mean? Do you hate them? I just... I appreciate parties as an opportunity for folks to be able to network and to spend time with each other and also, like, to just meet people in a place where you might not see them on the show floor. They're just really loud and kind of draining. And for me... I prefer having opportunities to network. I hate even that I say that, like, opportunities to network. Like, just to meet people in smaller doses. And sometimes in quiet doses. And parties are not conducive Mm -hmm. to that. Uh, But I also have to acknowledge that it's different for me having gone to con parties like the ones that they do at PAX for years now. So there's a lot of the like thrill of an open bar or a crazy light show or whatever that does not hold the same appeal to me anymore. And I think also it's a little bit of getting older Mm -hmm. Um, and just wanting to see more spaces in the industry that are more conducive for folks who like, you know, how is it that we have this industry of introverts and the ways that we decide to, like, get together and spend time together are all these things that extroverts have designed with, you know, loud parties and yeah, an lots of drinks and... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, to me, that's just, it's just... But I, I have gone to good ones. I went to some decent PAX parties. The Life is Strange party was really cool. Um... Is thrown by Square Enix and What's Good Games. And, like, it was pretty chill. It was in the basement of this bar up on Capitol Hill. And um, that, I think, was about my speed. It was a little loud at the beginning, but there was food, which was good. And, uh, yeah, that I think that is... That was about as much as I did. So And I've learned now um, a little bit more of where my limits are. So I got to the point where I was just like... Okay, I did this party, and people were like, where are you going to next? And I was like, home. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, not home, but yeah. 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 How about you? 
Oh, I love the party. I was going to say you finger gunned, so it Finger guns be... for the parties. <laughs> I mean, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the first day I went to PAX A was hungover. Yep. Uh, and that's pretty That's pretty typical of myself and a lot of my <laughs> typical friends. Typical gymnasta. When we go to PAX, because, man, we just go hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway... My one of my favorite parties that I went to was I think it was last year for Double Fine, and they had um, uh, Gang Beasts. Gang Beasts, yeah. yeah, they had that projected, um, and Tim showed up and played for a little bit. Oh, that's that was, cool. It was super fun. That was a really fun party, and I liked it because it was a little more low key. There was it wasn't packed. It wasn't in one of those big, you know, like like you said, like light shows and open bars. Right. And it's really hard to get into. So that was that was good, and you know those big parties are always kind of fun to go to, but it's also like that you go to that one cool club in Vegas. It costs like fifty dollars to get in. You're like, wow, this is really cool, and I'm never gonna do it again. Yeah. <laughs> like you've seen one, you've seen them all. Yeah, kind of situation. So I think I might be in a little bit of the same boat, but I also go to parties a little less for networking, a little more to see people that I didn't get to see on. The con- on the convention floor. Yeah, and I, I see a lot of folks on the convention floor because most of the people that I know are other people in the industry. Mm-hmm. So, like, we just kind of naturally run into each other like that. But it is nice to have those uh, those spaces off the show floor, too. Last year, I went to the Dishonored 2 party. Oh, was it awesome? It was on a boat. It was on, it was on two, was it on two boats? I think it was on two boats. I'm so jealous. So there was a dock and then they showed, um, they showed some stuff from the game and then there was like a party on boats and it was trippy. Um, so I mean, and it's cool that, you know, games have an opportunity or game developers have an opportunity, at least triple A's, I guess to really like show off in those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fun that fans can get into those kinds of things and have a space where they can celebrate this media, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's one of the things that I struggle with, even with Intelligame is just like this fight between playing games and enjoying games for the experience of enjoying games and playing games and enjoying games as an opportunity to consume media that I can use to add a more critical lens to the world around me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those two run into, you know, run in line with each other and it works really well. But sometimes I feel like I have to make this choice and jumping between worlds takes a certain amount of energy. And I think maybe that's what happens at PAX is that I have more of that jumping between spaces. When I'm at E3, when I'm at GDC, I'm with the same types of folks more consistently. And so I don't have to to traverse in between those spaces that as often. Yeah, it's just like it's a it's an awesome place. There's so many things that happen there and I always have this little bit of conflict in me because um you know, PAX itself uh, has not the most charming history and like or at least penny arcade mm-hmm. and then i went to game devs of color expo this year and having a space that was like dedicated towards catering 
to a community of color, it was different than anything I've ever been to. And I almost didn't go to PAX because I was just like, I don't know how I feel about going into this space that's just like generic whatever because I could be spending my time and my energy working towards these these causes and these you know things that I have a drive and a passion to, to represent. But I think it's also important to go into the large, you know, open spaces like PAX and do things like uh, Khalif Adams for, and Tanya DePass from the Spawn on Me podcast um, did multiple panels at PAX about, like, struggling to make it as an independent creator or, you know, issues of diversity and, you know, things like that. Earlier in the podcast, I mentioned the lack of diversity on the convention floor, and it was something that Josh noticed, too. He talked about what companies and other organizations can do to be more inclusive. There's a difference between like, hey, you're my black friend. Can you do this for me? And hey, we could use some resources like we could maybe use a consultant for this. Like there's a big difference between, hey, you're my black friend. Can you tell me, you know, this thing? And hey, you know, uh, we're running this panel and we need a consultation or whatever. And like for my friends, I'm totally willing to, to put in that work because I want to see things get better. But I, I also like don't want there to be this expectation like, oh, well, you're a black person. You can fix the black problems because like a big part of this is a big part of why we're here is because like it seems like so many times white folks are not comfortable trying to find their way into spaces that they're not already comfortable in. And I think that people of color take that a little bit more personally because we consistently have to walk into spaces that we might not be comfortable in. And so there's this idea of like learning how to adapt to a situation and like, that's just life. And so if there is an unwillingness to, to get down into the weeds and figure out how to handle or at least to be there to solve some of these situations on the ground level it just feels disingenuous to hear more from josh you can follow intelligame on facebook at facebook.com slash let's intelligame they're also on twitter with the handle of let's intelligame and Josh recently launched a Patreon for IntelliGame to create gaming criticism and community. You can find their Patreon page at patreon.com slash letsintelligame. And be sure to follow Josh on Instagram and Twitter under the handle wallstormer. And I'll have all of these links in the description of the podcast, so no worries. friends and spend a full weekend doing what I love most. Belly flopping into video games, surrounded by my community, but there's also an air of sadness that I actually don't really talk about. Four years ago, in 2013, I was working packs for Indie Game Magazine, and when I say working, I mean similar to how Josh was working, interviewing developers, testing games, then quickly writing articles in the media room under a deadline for my editor. As an aside, it was awesome, 
but also like Josh said, I have never been as tired in my life that one year I worked packs. Right before I was supposed to do an interview for a developer, I received a call from Coriana, a friend of mine all through grade school. For her to call me was already out of the ordinary as she and I usually communicated through other means, <clears throat> Facebook. When I answered the phone, her voice was hesitant and tired. She told me that her friend Kevin had died while he was climbing in Wyoming. I have so many good memories with Kevin. When we were in high school, Coriana wrote and directed a play called Orange Colored Sky that Kevin and I starred in together. Our friend Mark made a zombie movie for his senior project called The Dead Flag Blues that Kevin and I, among some other friends, played in. Our bands used to play shows together. Around the same time of his musical debut, Kevin dyed his red hair black, which was quite startling for a lot of us, and shaved it into a mohawk, which actually, in retrospect, looks super awesome. We were on the same soccer team in middle school, and even a short spell of high school. Kevin was hilarious, and to this day, not many people can make me laugh like he could. He was thoughtful. He always gave me really good advice when I needed it. He was dependable. He was a good guy. You would have liked him. Every year on PAX, my mind is full of things I need to do when I'm at the convention. Stuff I need to bring, people I need to see. But every year since 2013, Kevin's memory is added to that list. I think about his family and his friends and who he left behind, and I'm heartbroken for them. I think about the time that I had with him as a friend, and I'm thankful for it. All while I'm doing this, I'm surrounded by my community at the Penny Arcade Expo, doing what I love to do. PAX can be many things to many people. It's a celebration of video games. It's overwhelming. It's a weekend of networking opportunities, a chance to catch up with friends, and for some of us, it turns out to be a healing space. show was composed by Matt Hunter, also known as Mechlo, that's spelled M-E-C-H-L-O. You can find his music at mechlo.bandcamp.com and at soundcloud.com slash mechlo. And side note, some of the music in today's show is by his new side project called Moon Talk. It's super awesome. You can also find that under his SoundCloud. Thank you so much for listening, and if you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe to our channel to hear more. You can find us on your favorite podcast streaming service, Facebook, and the radio app Anchor under VRCast Virtual Recollection.